do you think UFOs, the paranormal, weird history, cryptozoology, and outsider art are pretty darn cool? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to High Strangeness with your host, Steve Berg. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to High Strangeness. Tonight, I have Erica Luke's on the show. Erica, how are you doing? You know what? I'm really great. I'm glad to be here. I can't wait to, to you know, hang out with your listeners and talk about UFO stuff and yeah. see where it shakes out. Well, absolutely. Do you mind if I read a quick bio? I can do that up front when you're not. Okay. Some people get uh, embarrassed, but here we go. Let's just do this. Erica Luke's. Director Erica Luke's is a longtime investigative researcher and successfully self-employed entrepreneur. As a lifelong practitioner of integrating mind and body wellness, she has been providing related services at Total Body Pilates since 1999. The venue evolved to additionally serve as a community hub for ever-growing, diverse range of purposes and activities, including housing, ho- uh, housing special collection archives, hosting art events, and providing a variety of wellness and research resources. Erica, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you for having me. We're going to have fun. We are going to have fun. And I just want to say also thank you because you, a couple of years ago, maybe I, I lose track of time, probably two years ago, had me on your former show, uh, mm-hmm. UFO Classified, which I was a huge fan of and still am to this day. Those are such valuable interviews you did, you've done. But I was so excited. You were one of the first people to ever have me on a podcast to talk about UFOs. So I was like so excited and nervous and I've just been aware of your work and a fan of your research for a long time, you know, so thank, thank you. you. Well, thank you. Cause I've, I'm a fan of your work and I think that you are just really a funny human being and I love, I enjoy that. I think everybody needs a good sense of humor. And so, you know, I just, I admire your, your work over the years and, and I am glad to, to know you and I need to get you back on the show. So, Oh, that would be a lot of fun. I, anytime you know, I, I'm there with the bells on, I'm going to come off i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna come in just barreling here so i have the most important question in the world to ask you okay so about 10 15 years ago i was working in salt lake city and i went to a mexican restaurant and it was something iguana but they had like 40 different kinds of moles and it was one of the best eating experiences i've ever had red iguana what is it called red iguana red iguana i really had a great eating experience there and it's haunted me ever since it's still here. So you have is to come still back. good? Yes, it is. I mean, they have done such a great job over the decades with that little restaurant. And they've now branched off. And so they've got two locations. Good and it really is like one of those things you always see, especially like during Sundance and things, there are lines around the door, you know, around the block because people love Red Iguana so much. I believe it because I lived, you know, in LA for 20 years. And while the Mexican food is unbelievable there, I feel like Red Iguana is one of, if not the best mexican eating experience i've ever had in my life nice yeah so when i'm in salt lake let's go grab lunch please on me on me oh that'd be fun yeah we'll try a couple different moles because we're we're wild and crazy like that (laughs) (laughs) swing swing (laughs) so erica i'm gonna ask you know start off with some basic questions before you get into that nitty-gritty of it but how did you you know I, i guess when did your interest in the UFO topic, uh, you know, come about? And really, how, and kind of the second part of the question is, when did you decide and how did you decide to get involved with it? 
Um, you know what? I have always loved the topic. I remember being, you know, I was in second or third grade and I was going through the school library and I saw a book on the shelf that had a UFO on the cover. And, you know, like, well, I can't remember that it was Dale something. And it was, you know, are, are you up there? Um, I did a book report on it. I'm sure my teacher just thought, oh, my Lord, honey, go play with Barbies. You know, whatever, <laughs> whatever was happening. But I just, you know, I was like, wow, this is on, this is so scandalous. It's on the shelf of our library, you know, and I'm, I'm read it and I, I picked up more. And then I read books on Bigfoots and ghosts and, you know, I mean, just all of the paranormal type of things. And then of course we had, um, I shouldn't even say this, but Battlestar Galactica, you know, that was a big show back in the day, probably before I was born, but probably not, unfortunately, I'm just kidding. So, you know, it was like having those kind of shows when I was growing up in a formative age. And then also just my love of exploring unknown things and having that idea in my mind that, you know, we aren't alone. We aren't where it begins and ends. And life is such a beautiful, like an exploratory process. And so I always had that in me and I read and picked up, you know, Bud Hopkins, you know, for better or for worse in my <laughs> <So did I. laughs> teenage years, you know, and, and grew up watching X-Files. And, you know, it was just in Close Encounters and E.T. and all of these things that I think shaped, you know, a whole generation of, of people. So... I, I have to say right now, you and I basically had the exact same trajectory. I was the weird kid obsessed with anything mysterious, reading, not saying you were a weird kid. I, I was not a weird kid. <laughs> okay, fine. <Yeah. laughs> I, I assumed. I didn't want to put that label on you, though. <laughs> no, I mean, trust me. I was I was like a foot taller than any of the guys in grade school, and I had my Mean Joe Green jersey on and these big old glasses and braces, and I had my you know Vans, and I'm like, meet me on the track after school. You know, and I'd like kick all their butts. I mean, I was just, yeah, I was a little strange, but I, I, uh, I loved it. <laughs> you sound like an awesome kid, in my opinion. We would have been very good buddies. Yeah, That's yeah. why we get along now, I think. I you think know, so. we're, we're, we're similar kids. Exactly. <laughs> but there is kind of something to that, you know, like I feel like, uh, you know, like most kids don't have this kind of like, you know, burning desire for mystery. And, and I've kind of come to this realization lately with, a lot, a lot of this stuff in, in kind of the weird, para-weird fields. It's like, I don't think there's an answer to any of it, if it exists at all, right? But the mystery is really intoxicating. It's a fun way to, like, adventure, have a little adventures in life. You know what I'm saying? Yes, and, and some, you know, don't bear worth repeating. But I think that it is, you know, I mean, it, it's that's what life should be about, about asking questions, about... You know, I mean, going on on journeys and, you know, I've always been a very um, fly by the seat kind of person. And, you know, so it's like to me to pick up a backpack and my camping gear and go head out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, those are things that are really exciting to me. And then sitting in the local diner and talking to people about lore and their experiences and what makes them them. And I just I think it's, you know, that's been the one great thing about me getting involved in this topic is connecting to other people. Yeah. Um, because there are, you know, everybody has a story. Right. Right. So. Right. And, and like, while there is definitely the polar opposites, I've met some of the, I mean, honestly, I truly have met some of the most interesting people such as yourself who are into this field, you know, just really like interesting, like vibrant, like, I don't know, just kind, smart people who are really, you know, 
interested in mystery in adventures and like what does it all mean and then obviously on the other hand you will come across some people with some really crazy ideologies fanaticism and toxic behavior as we're all probably aware of by this point mm-hmm. and i we're gonna get into that because i know you uh you've been fighting the good fight in that arena and i'm, I'm proud of you um <laughs> but i kind of wanted to ask the first time i ever came across you as someone in the ufo world was it through mufon and i want to say i know i saw, i'm almost positive i saw you speak at a mufon conference and i can't remember because i used to go to quite a few of those did you ever speak in kansas city God, no, no, I never went to Kansas City. Where I spoke at UFO Congress. Congress, um, okay. I spoke in Laughlin at Paula Harris's conference. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if I ever actually did. I speak at a move on conference. I was the, at the one in Irvine, and okay. then we did like that. Might be the one yeah. I saw you in. I was. No. I used. I've been to the Irvine one because I would uh, tool down there from LA. Yeah. So we did. I was there the year that we did the uh, the radio play. Um, <laughs> Um, oh, I, wanna, I wish luckily, I had. A, I could see that. Oh my lord! I am glad that you can't. But you know, it was it was really interesting. Uh, the director of communications had written a little radio play, and so we were putting it on, and it was like Stan Friedman. Um, I'm trying to remember who else was there, and myself, and we were reading lines, and you know, it was just it was a fun experience. It really was. Mm-hmm. Um, That's I, great. Yeah. So, it, you know, I love the people um, that I met. I'm still friends with some of them today, and I'm sure if I walked into a MUFON conference, I think half the people would have a heart attack, and the other people would be like really happy to see me because I still communicate with them. And so that means like, you're doing it right, in my opinion. You can't if you're trying to please everyone, then there's something, uh, or if you please everyone, then there's something inherently like not totally authentic about you because right. you can't please everyone and like especially in the ufo world it is wildly polarizing so well you know i don't want to please some of those people you know mm-hmm. i mean i i'm i um yeah i am you know it is what it is but at the end of the day i'm a nice person and i would never be you know um you know i would always be gracious and kind and and things like that except to maybe you know maybe not and maybe People not all the time. It. Yeah, I mean, exactly. <laughs> <Where's that>? <laughs> well, it, it it seems like be, that Mufon was really for a uh, for a minute, at least for a while, really trying to put you front and center as kind of the voice of the newer generation. Right. Well, at least that was my take up on it, and I thought they did a good job with that because I think you were a really good ambassador for Mufon, and I, I kind of want to you know ask. I think a lot of people are aware of some of the. Um, changes you know ideologically MUFON has gone through over the last decade you know with some of the controversies of the people up top and some really unsavory things being said and awful behavior like it's appalling to me and uh how did you like find your experience in MUFON and how did you see it change and what made you get out sorry that was like five questions (laughs) yeah I'm right there with you though I you know I at first because I had seen something I couldn't explain and the Utah chapter was pretty much defunct. It was, you know, really in its prime when um, Elaine Douglas was the the director, very interesting human being. Um, she's since passed. But so I, I got together kind of a group of people and started to, with the help of another person here in town to try to rebuild the chapter. And that was a lot of fun. And I also, at that point in time, had kind of seen, you know, okay, MUFON is like the um, Squire Natural Hair Club for Men, kind of like, you know, I mean, it's like a bunch of 75-year-old 
white dudes. Okay, great. You know, it's like we need to um, spice things up a little bit and we need to get information out to a younger generation because this demographic is, you know, not going to be along much longer, around much longer. And so I really tried to work, you know, with um, MUFON headquarters and I was really hopeful, but I think because there were people in place that had a vested interest in making sure that that was them and instead of me, you know, things started to just go south. And I um, began to notice that there was a real, um, oh boy, a lot of um, sexism, a lot of bullying, a lot of, you know, I was, you know, bullied and intimidated and called a, um, you know, all sorts of things publicly. And I would turn to these executive director and just say, you know, why aren't you standing up for your state director? You know, why aren't you standing up? Where, where is our code of conduct? Uh, where are our ethics? Um, and there was just nothing, you know, it was, it was really Jeez. a sad thing to me. And then also when I began to realize that all the data wasn't available as a state director, that there were cases that were missing, there had cases that had been changed in the CMS, I started asking questions and saying, after 50 years, what have you guys done to prove anything? And of course, that wasn't a big hit. (laughs) You're not supposed to ask those questions. (laughs) You know, I mean, 10 ways to win friends and influence people with Eric Lutz. And, you know, so I was just, you know, it was, you know, I began to, you know, okay, there's a problem here. You guys have nothing to show except yeah. a bunch of little social clubs around, you know, the country. And, and some of the MUFON chapters are, do a great job. Some of them are very logical and methodical and ethical, and some are just boncos. You right. know, it's like, um, which is really, again, I think that it goes to, to the leadership or lack thereof of MUFON headquarters, you know, as a nonprofit, yeah. even though these are individual chapters that are their own uh, entities, they should be their own nonprofits. They, they still, there is a code of, uh, conduct. There is a code of, you know, we, we have an organization and so we have standards that we apply to this and they never would, they didn't do that. And I think that's one of the reasons, you know, between that and all the other things I just said, for me, this isn't a healthy place and I don't see it going anywhere. And I think certain people are making a lot of money and, you know, and so peace out. Right, right. Well, I think probably a good decision. <laughs> you know, I, I think, I think so. I think you saw the writing on the wall, and you got out before uh, the ship sank. <laughs> Not that it sank. I'm maybe it's very popular. I truly don't know. But you know, like when you said the file, you know, there, you would try to um, find certain cases that went missing. Did that possibly coincide with Robert Bigelow's purchasing of a lot of the contactee and abduction cases? You know what? This was a little bit after uh, Uh, that whole debacle. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know what was up with Utah. I think my, my own personal thought is because we have a lot of military stuff going on here. We are one of the biggest homes in the United States to aerospace and defense contractors. Yeah. And we have, hundreds of thousands, you know, I mean, the Utah test and training range, we've got Dugway proving ground. Yeah. Data collection. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and the NSA and things like that, that there would be a need to keep 
specific things out of a database. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if that happened, but we didn't get a lot of reports in Utah. It was really interesting. Interesting. And um, Utah kind of has a rich UFO history in a way, because like in the 50s, you know, that book, the... Uh, Oh, uh, that's sitting right behind you. You saw UFO I, display. Yeah. I mean, but like, you know, for a while there was a lot of reports. Am I right about that? Or? You know what? There there were a lot of reports that came from one man. Oh, okay. He had collected Junior Hicks, was a yeah. beloved, you know, resident of uh, Roosevelt, Utah. Mm -hmm. And he started uh, collecting reports from people. He never really investigated. He just took, he just took the reports down. And right. then Frank Salisbury, who uh, was also worked for NASA um, and was a professor at Utah State University, met with Junior, and then they collaborated on that book. And then there were several revisions. And it's interesting, at the University of Utah Special Archives, they actually have all of Frank Salisbury's uh, holdings. Oh, and wow. So I've That's gone up cool. there on many occasions and just thumbed through his UFO, you know, things, files, um, his different correspondence with people over the years. And it was, it's been an interesting, it was interesting to me to watch how his feelings changed from when he was working with the National Enquirer, you know, and, and doing things to then he is attracted some, some person in a cult has, oh. has him in his sights. And that person is starting to threaten him. He had to go to the FBI um, and things. And oh. so it would just, that in and of itself is so amazing. But he also, I was lucky enough to speak with him before he passed away. And, you know, I asked him about Skinwalker Ranch and he just said nothing to see there. That was just wow. completely made up by George Knapp. Wow. Um, and yeah, so he was, you know, he thought that there were, there, there were genuine sightings in, in and around that area, but nothing to do with the ranch that that was. Yeah, that was fiction. Okay, I definitely we're I'm gonna put a pin in Skinwalker Ranch because I, I have I have a lot to ask you about that. But I, I kind of am still stuck on uh, your trajectory because you started UFO Classifieds. I'm this is just me off the top of my head. Like what five years ish ago, five six years ago. You know, I did another um, UFO audit, and then it turned into something else. I don't know. It's so I, I think it's been about ten years. 10 years. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, I was a pretty early fan of that and I uh, still go back and watch a lot of those episodes. They're so incredible. And you, you know, you can really watch an open-minded person at work in these. And that is so absolutely rare in the paranormal community, the UFO community, the cryptozoological, it, 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 all these weird studies, I guess that I, I do love and have affection for. But what was really refreshing is to see someone who has not, and from early, from an er, from early on, you had you were very open minded. You were like, "Look, I think there's something to it. I'm very interested in it," but you did not have a fixed belief system. You weren't telling your audience like, "Well, they're uh, interdimensionals or aliens from another planet or cryptoterrestrials." You were you were hearing information and taking it in, and you could watch Erica Luke's evolve throughout the show, and that almost has never happened <laughs> like to authors, to researchers, a lot, you know, a lot of like researchers will write a book that is their opinion on this. And they have to, until the day they die, defend that hypothesis because they want to sell the book. You weren't trying to sell anything. You were just trying to uncover mysteries and have fun talking about it, which was so nice. Cause one thing what, I can always tell you're having fun, which is so nice too, because it, <laughs> it, it lets the audience have fun because I feel like if we're talking about UFOs guys, 
let's have a little bit of fun talking about it, right? But like, what kind of has been your evolution to now? Because, you know, I think if, you know, you know Erica's work, you know, while I think you're open-minded, you are definitely very skeptical. I wouldn't call you a debunker, but you really look at this stuff with a very close lens. You know, I was, you know, when I first got into this publicly, it was just like, oh, I'm going to conferences and I'm seeing so-and-so speak. And I had no, you know, I was really, um, I was right there believing in some of these things. Uh And that's very evident from my very first show when I was bringing on people that I would never bring on today. Um, And, but, you know, as I began to, it was, it was a learning process for me. And it was something that I'm, I'm very proud of the fact that it's out there because this is, you know, you've got this, this whole, you know, 10 year period where I'm getting fed things where I might believe something. And then I do the due diligence and research on it. And then, you know, I'm finding out that this is just not accurate. And so that's been, it's, 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 I think it's really just been fascinating. And I, um, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not skeptical because I've had experiences I can't explain, but I am, I am, am logical and I'm going to put things through the paces. There we go. And if something doesn't make sense the first time, it's making less sense the second time, two decades later, it's, you know, I mean, <laughs> dino beavers and, you know, all of this stuff. I mean, it's like, get lowered. You know, I mean, yeah. so I, I, you know, I think that it's, it's, we should ask questions and especially in this subject, mm-hmm. like there's never going to be anybody that has the right answer. Right. Um, and if they do, run away from them. Right. <laughs> yes. Please don't meet them in a darkened alley. <laughs> yeah. No, they, they they don't because I mean, like, and that that is one thing. I and, and like, look, I, I haven't been in the UFO field for you know for seventy five years, but I I know my history, and I know there has been a kind. I mean, like, look, I don't want to get too deep into politics, but a right hard right leaning, quasi fascist sect of the UFO community going back to like. George Hunt Williamson in the early contactee era. So this is not a new thing, but it seems like there's been a lot of gas thrown on kind of the hard right leaning fire in the last couple of years. Would you say it's accurate or you say like, it's just kind of always been this way in this severe. You know what? I think it's always been this way. As you mentioned, George Hunt Williamson, you could look back at Donald Kehoe, who was a yeah. friend of Charles Lindbergh, mm-hmm. you know, um, the NICAP. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, what, what else yeah. can you say? And, you know, NICAP, sold the, the email list not once but twice to a nazi in canada Good you know word. and so there is yes there is a, a far right um leaning fascist kind of faction and i think unfortunately now because you have people like robert bigelow people who have money who can mine data who can um create marketing organizations to steer the narrative and get people to vote one way or, you know, I mean, we saw that with Bigelow, he was a, one of Ron DeSantis's biggest campaign donors. Yeah, I think um, the biggest. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, now it's back to Trump and things, but I think that, you know, it. we right now we're seeing a fever pitch in an American, you know, I mean, just these, everybody's yeah. got their pitchforks. Um, it's a really sketchy time in our history. Yeah. And I think the conspiracy uh, UFO mindset is a gateway mm-hmm. for other people 
who are maybe questioning, you know, their life, their government, their all of these things, and then they become kind of indoctrinated and in, into a cult. Right. And then you've got people like um, Jeremy Corbell, uh, you know, up there, you know, we're weaponizing, weaponizing. If you look at the wording that these people yeah. are using, it's all the same type of wording. Yeah. And it's like, I just don't know what people aren't getting, but you've got all these social media influencers out there promoting the same narrative. So yeah. pay, I mean, seriously, pay attention. This is, um, it's, it's not good. It's not healthy. It has nothing to do with, with the, the pure uh, UFO looking for something anomalous. I could not, you actually just summarized my feelings in such a wonderful way. I totally agree. What they are talking about doesn't, it, they're never, it, the thing a lot, a lot of times I get kind of bothered by with the, these UFO disclosure activists is that I actually don't think they care about the phenomenon or the mystery of it. I think they just care about being an activist for something and like, you know, getting information from the government and, you know, like, I mean, like, Good Lord. I mean, like, not to mention, as you're well aware, I mean, these disclosure narratives have, it seems like they kind of like become popular every 15 years. Like this, the narrative is truly the same as it was 50 years ago. Right. Except it's dumber. It's dumber. Yeah. It's just gotten, (laughs) well, it's gotten more sensational and more salacious and they're, you know, trying to even make it more sexy. Oh God. You know. When I think of David Crush, I don't think of sexy. (laughs) <laughs> I think some do. Okay. Well. You know, one question. Um, well, before I get into the Skinwalker Ranch situation, do you think that there was a time when Robert Bigelow, because it's, it's hard for me to really like sit there and think like, well, here's like a guy who, you know, is a billionaire or, or, or however rich he is. He's very wealthy. I can't see his motivation for purchasing Skinwalker Ranch and kind of like blowing that stuff up it, it, to, is to make money. And maybe I'm, I'm naive and wrong about that. But what do you actually think was the motive for him to buy this ranch and kind of propel the story forward and then sell it to Brandon Fugel? You know, I think there are lots of interesting thoughts on on what could be taking place there. I mean, it, let's from my understanding, he got the farm. The Shermans were in quite a bit of a, a quandary um, uh-huh. financially, mm-hmm. and you know, and so I think he, he from what Junior Hicks told me, actually uh, put the screws to them and and bought the ranch, and then had them sign the NDA, the glorious right. NDA, and then you know that that the land is you know, next to actually it sits upon an oil reserve and they're, oh. you know, I mean the whole thing, if you go up there now, it's just like, they are uh, going to town with fracking really? and all of this stuff. And so, you know, they're, um, it, it, you know, who knows what could, you know, could be going on with that. Mm-hmm. Um, real estate is known for sometimes dubious activities. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, and, and so, I th- and then, you know, you've got this, creation of again yet another mythical place you know we had bob lazar okay great that was great we had you know we've got skinwalker ranch that was basically when you look at the story um you know just on its own merit which it has none but you know you see that here's this place called skinwalker ridge and there's an ancient you know navajo curse well guess what there right. were never any navajo in that area it's Are you used. serious oh yeah i i mean I did not know that. Oh yeah. Do a little research people. Like I'm telling you, I, um, 
one of my clients, her husband, was one of the world's foremost Native American uh, historians. And he worked at the University of Utah for a, for his whole his whole career. And I, I got to go spend time with him. And I asked him, and this was back in my tending to believe phase. And I said, can you tell me about, you know, the Skinwalker narrative? And he just looked at me like I was, what? And he, <laughs> he grew up in Roosevelt. He wow. was from Roosevelt. And so, you know, he went to his vast library and found maybe one or two books that had one or two mentions of the Skinwalker lore. And, you know, I mean, yes, the, the, nothing. The, the whole thing was created part and parcel by George Knapp and not even a good, really a good rep, representation, but I guess it's good enough that people believed it. I mean, I did. I, I will tell you, because like that has been, um, I, I and I'm trying to remember, I'm so bad with years, but I want to say like in 2008-ish or around then, George Knapp did like a two-hour coast-to-coast his Sunday night, you know, talking about his book and Skinwalker Ranch. And I remember hearing it and then like listening to it the next day. And I was like, well, this is my dream. All the phenomenon is in one place. This is unbelievable. They got serpents. They got flying refrigerator UFOs. They have saucers. They have crypt- <laughs> crypt- I mean, like, honestly, like a- as a, uh, you know, like a, you know, person interested in this stuff, that was the dream. A paranormal Disneyland, all in one location, your one-stop shop for weirdness. And so I don't know what I was really like. I don't think I had much critical thinking in terms of this stuff back then, obviously, (laughs) but I bought the book, read it one sitting. I went so far as to beg someone for financing to help me make a movie about it. Like I was, I saw it. I saw your movie. (laughs) I was all in Erica. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I I did my best, but I, I must say when I started hearing you, talk about your research into the ranch i quickly started asking myself some tough questions and i will i will say at first i didn't like asking myself those questions because you know i wanted to believe the skinwalker ranch narrative so very badly because it was really just a lovely idea (laughs) to me (laughs) but you know like i had to be honest with myself and when i started hearing you discuss some of these facts about the ranch and what people purported on it Boy, my mind quickly changed. So that being said, would you mind kind of walking us through a little bit of how you discovered some of these facts about Skimarker Ranch that don't really jive with the popular narrative of what people think? Yeah, boy, I mean, there's a whole book waiting to be written on that one, I'm telling you. I can't um, wait to read it, too. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's interesting. I remember, like, maybe 15 years ago going to, with one of my friends, a, a little um, meeting where there were a couple guys talking about their experiences with men in black and different things um, right. at the ranch. And of course you read about it and being, you know, from Utah, it was like, Whoa, okay. And, and you know, we had back in the nineties, the desert, uh, desert news, which is the, you know, uh, newspaper, one of the newspapers here uh, do a story on that. Zach Benek was the, the person who did the story on that about the haunted UFO ranch. And then mm-hmm. it's the Bigelow UFO, yeah, whatever, Skinwalker Ranch. And then, you know, it's the most studied paranormal place on the planet. And, you know, at the end of the day, like I have a camera that they used at the ranch, like in my, it's like a piece of plastic <laughs> and the wires go nowhere. You know, I mean, it's like, which sums it up. I mean, there was never any 
um, study into it. Like you can go out to the ranch and they've got these, you know, the bait pins. I mean, yeah. I don't know what, what insane clown posse victim, <laughs> you know, <laughs> put those up. That's great. Okay. That's awesome. You know, then they've got a big, uh, light pole or something with a, um, oh my gosh, like a, a, an aquarium with like those little toys that you put in that with a, that you would, oh my Lord. Really? It's like, what? You that know? sounds pretty high tech, high tech scientific study. Oh my study. Lord. <laughs> well, because it kept, you know, it, keep, it keeps eluding, you know, it keeps, you know, somebody's looking through their camera and the, the wires are cut. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is just the, oh, the yeah. way it goes. And so, you know, I had done research on the property, done research on um, the history of, of the land, the history of that portion of Utah. Um, and then interviewing people in that area year after year after year. I mean, I had many conversations with Junior Hicks and mm -hmm. Junior Hicks was very uh, leery of Robert Bigelow and did not trust their motivations at all. And, but yet at the same time, he kind of did buy things, you know, uh, that were being promoted. Um, it was, you know, again, you've got this place that is supposed to be this top secret, you know, facility oh, yeah. that is all over the everywhere. I mean, it's yeah. like everybody's talking about it. Everybody's making movies about it. But, you know, so none, none of these things, you know, you start adding things up. Nothing's making sense. Um, Bigelow's buying data. He's, you know, I mean, I think Bigelow's whole origin story in this is BS all, all the way around. Right. Um, so, but yeah, it was just meeting people, documenting. I mean, I had, oh my gosh, I don't even know how many hours of conversations with Eric Davis. Um, he came to my studio. We went to oh, lunch. Wow. You know, I was down in, um, in Texas and I went to Earth Tech and met Hal and, you know, so. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. You, I mean, that, was, that's incredible. So, you know, very interesting experiences. And then, you know, the new ownership, um, comes in and again is very much saying that we're going to be open with our research and they're not, you know? And so it's just this, this creating stories that get more ludicrous by the day. Yeah. You know, the, um, I mean the dino beaver, like you, you have to just think that these guys are sitting around having cocktails and they're thinking of the dumbest stuff and they're saying, oh, 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 oh. some idiot out there is going to buy it. And they do. I mean, you know, part of me is like, it was that the thing at like all the way from the beginning when George Knapp's like, hey, uh, Robert, do you mind if I write a, write some uh, fan fiction about UFOs that takes place in your ranch? Like, I, I it's hard for me to understand. Like, was, do you think George Knapp at one time believed this or do you no. think he has never believed this? No. Right. I think he's just good at what he does at creating narratives. I don't think yeah. he ever really believed anything that Bob Lazar had to say either, but it's made him a lot of money and, yeah. you know, so that's been good, but now I don't think, and I, I think, you know, if, as I, as I look at George and I look at some of the interviews he's done as of late, I mean, it almost to me looks like there's something that's wearing on him. You know, you can't lie, you know, yeah. for, for that long of a period of time without it having, if you're, if you're at all a good human being, yeah, it can't feel good. You. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, it must be hard to sleep at night, you know, because like even, you know, when I've told a white lie or just a little minor lie in the past, about like, oh, sorry, I can't come to that party because I hurt my ankle or something like that. I feel guilty and I feel it makes me feel really bad. <laughs> like it doesn't feel good to lie. But like, you know, 
imagine being Bob Lazar and sticking to that story for all these years. I mean, how, how does he do it? <laughs> you know, I think that there comes a point where you're either, you know, your your lies are, are eating you up because you are a good person or you're a psychopath. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as we know, psychopaths are, they don't care about repercussions or telling tall tales and things. So, you know, I mean, who knows if that's right. the case, but you know, it's, it is interesting. And it, it was with the Skinwalker thing too, very curious because they, they, they were good at like creating, talking out of both sides of their mouth. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, we've got this paranormal stuff, but wait, no, they were doing experimenting, experimenting on the, the security guards. Yeah. You know, and I have to admit, I ran with that one too, because that seemed more plausible at the time. But now that I know a little bit more about their operations, I don't think they were capable of, um, you know, doing, doing that. But. Right. So the, the yeah, because I, I remember, gosh, and those stories came out a few years ago, maybe five years ago. I can't remember, not good at time, but yeah, P- security guards were reporting that they were having like brain trauma and like. I mean, it was like pretty serious, you know, reports that they were saying that they'd experienced, but like, yeah, it, but that kind of turned out to be nothing too. You know what? It's, it's my, my opinion. And I will just say very openly, like I, I did go down that hole, you know, I was like, okay, wait a minute. We've got a release of some of this information and they're testing um, non-lethal weapons and it could be you know, something along these lines and were people being hurt, you know, I mean, blah, blah, blah. And then you had certain security guards that were coming forward and, and promoting that narrative. You know, it's just, it's just, it's the kind of that little side shuffle, you know, Oh, it's not ghosts. We can't prove that. We can't prove it's paranormal, but now we're going to go over here. And so you're always guessing and, and things. And, and, you know, in my opinion, you know, there was a whole lot of nothing going on. Yeah. So still is. And so, like, yeah, because it, it really is tough to say, I mean, the most obvious motivation would be financial, but it, it is tough to determine why, you know, why these narratives came about. Like, I wonder if George was, like, asked to do it or, you know, or just on his own kind of, like, it's like, yeah, I feel like we're writing a book. <laughs> you know, like, and Colm Kelleher, I mean, like, him too. I mean, like, he, you know, like, aside from his UFO interest, he's had a fairly prestigious career. But it's according to him, according to him. Sure. Yeah. You're not wrong. I have not verified it myself. According <laughs> to him, he has definitely had a prestigious career, but it, it's hard for me to understand like why you would want to create fiction. You know, I think that it goes back to, and I, and this is where it's so fascinating for me to look at the people, their political agendas to look at their associations, to look at Harry Reid and mm-hmm. some of the controversies that he was embroiled with, with the attorney general or the uh, second to last attorney general. Uh, now the new ranch owner is, is friends with the new attorney general, who's also embroiled in a lot of uh, controversy and is probably uh, going to have some pretty significant repercussions because oh. of what he's done. Um, and so I think it's like, you scratch my back, I'm going to scratch yours. There are other things going on behind the scenes, other business dealings. And so it just kind of plays out in this, you know, where you've got a ranch that is, seems to be the center of things, but it probably isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, I mean, like, you know, the, the whole Skinwalker Ranch thing, it, it really is just so deeply interesting to me, not necessarily what the purported phenomena, but just like. How, like, why this piece of land was purchased 
for to do a you know a quote unquote scientific study on for a decade and then selling it to another billionaire who I, I guess like I mean like I can't think Brandon Fugel needs the needs the extra money from TV because coming from the entertainment industry like I'll tell you right now like TV money for a docu series reality show like that it, it's not much it really is it's to him it would be extremely insignificant. Um, so, well, I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, they're getting rich off Skin Market Ranch. Like, that's not the reality. I mean, like, the biggest, like, <clears throat> reality or not unscripted show, they do okay, but it's not you don't like, think that's you know... scripted? <laughs> oh, I mean, yo, sure. No, look, every reality show. All five words. Comple- Ooh, yeah, completely. Oh, I believe I mean... it's completely scripted. <laughs> but they're, they're selling it as a, a non scripted right. show. Therefore, that they are paid from uh, History Channel for unscripted which is a tiny, tiny budget. So, um, I, you know, part of me thinks, well, is Brandon Fugel's, like, idea, like, to make it, like, literally a place for tourists to come <laughs> and, like, go through, like, a little tram through Skywalk Ridge? Like, because if it's, if it's about money, well, then he's not, I mean, obviously he's had success financially, but, like, I can't imagine, like, hey, I'm going to do a reality show on History Channel. That's going to be my next big money-making endeavor. So it's hard for me to understand what he wants out of this. I, th- I think it's fame. I think he's yeah. very, um, you know, he's always been very much about being in the spotlight, whether it's mm-hmm. for business, whether it's for the little gyroscope that he and Joe Firmage came up, you know, we're trying to promote right. and, you know, different things like that. Um, he, he does like that. He's, you know, he's good in the public. Uh, he's very polished, um, mm-hmm. he has that kind of demeanor about him and he does, you know, every time you turn, look at U- a Utah business, you know, there's an article with him, you know, on the cover or things. And so he is all about promoting himself. And yeah. I think, you know, perhaps the idea of, of having a show like that was, um, you know, appealing and with, you know, regard, he is a, a producer. I'm not sure if he's an executive producer, but, you know, and then you've got the fact that they're probably leasing out the property you know there are all mm-hmm. sorts of ways that, that show could be making money um, oh sure sure and then uh tom winterton's father is a senator who was responsible for getting tax cuts for the film industry oh wow okay and things so you know when you when you really do look behind the scenes and you see okay this is what's going on over here and there yeah. and it, it starts to make more sense whereas if you just look at it from like well this guy isn't getting making any money off of anything well I mean, they're hosting those conferences twice a yep. year there, and Travis yep. Taylor's getting you know upwards of five grand. To, oh yeah, you know, I mean, and things like that, and you just it's so it's working. Well, you know, you, I I, I kind of think almost what you said in terms of like Brandon Fugel's like motivation, like you're not right. It's like a vanity project for him. It's something fun. Like I'm a fun guy. I like UFOs. You know, <laughs> like yeah. that makes sense to me. That I, I could see that because you know. Rich people are a different, like very rich people are a different breed of human that I don't understand. Like we, <laughs> I don't have that kind of a financial gumption yeah. to go after money like that, I guess. But so, yeah, I, I probably don't, wouldn't understand the logic behind it no matter what. But yeah, that, that, that's an interesting idea. Uh, just kind of a vanity project because boy, that's a thing. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it really is, I think. And I, um, you know, I will say that I have heard because Obviously, I'm the the naughty person on the block. You know, I'm on the D list um, because I have chosen to to speak out about questions that I have and questions that have not been answered. But um, I 
you know, I've heard, and I, we did a, a grammar request and got records, uh, back from email communications back from Uinta County and some of the people involved in at the ranch and you know their thing is well I was I was sad that I wasn't a part of the tv show and so now I'm bitter and so I'm going out there and saying you know all of these things because I I'm so bitter I'm not on that show and it's like you know, first of all, just to say this I mean I, I if I wanted if that was my bag and that's what I wanted to do I'd have an agent yeah you know, I would be on every show because I could, right. because I've, do, yeah. I've done TV. I've grown up, you know, that's, I'm a performer. That wasn't yeah. my bag. And I always wished the very best for them and success. Um, but yeah, I'm very grateful. I'm not on that show. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't think there would be any room for a woman. First of all, unless it, it's, it's dude heavy on that show. Oh Lord. You know, that, that kind of brings me to a question I had uh, pushed back towards the end. But I do I do want to ask you this because, like, you, you know, there really have not been, and even to this day, that many women in ufology. And what has that experience been like? I'm sure, like, while it's been, you know, really cool because I'm sure, like, a lot of people look up to you and a lot of women who want to get into this stuff, like, you are a good role model for them. But, like, has it been difficult and, like, I mean, you know, white dudes are the worst. So like, <laughs> but you know, like, I mean, like how, how hard has this been? Like in terms of just emotionally and just like, ugh, God, you know, like, you know, I think it, it was, it's been, I, you know, I always, I'm such a wide eyed, you know, kind of person that goes into things and thinking I'm going to change the world. I'm like Don Quixote, you know, the female version of Don Quixote. And I, you know, I'm, I'm never going to change. That's a part of me and I'm fine with that. But I had really thought that everybody was in this to do, uh, you know, to do this together. You know, we were spending our own money. We were, you know, creating networks. We were doing all of this and, and it was for the greater good. And I really quickly learned that, nope, it isn't. And there are, it's like grade school sandbox, you know, kind of, you know, you stay in your corner. And I think because I was a woman and because I was fairly self-confident in a lot of ways that I was a big target. And I, you know, to this day, you know, I mean, there are men that do not, will not give me a place at the table. And, you know, it's like just, and I, I could, you know, at some point in time, I'll definitely call out some of these people, you know, who yeah. you are. <laughs> they're not listening to this show i guarantee you that <laughs> well, maybe i'll send it to them but good, you know, good. <laughs> but it's like you know in, in in the archiving you know field it's like i'm i am working my butt off to create and maintain and and digitize archives and i've you know that it's again that's the good old boys club and they do not want a female there unless you're a wife and you know, it's, it's, it's really just like, whoa, it's, it's crazy. And even in, like when I was um, in MUFON and had some different issues with people, they, you know, I went to one of the Facebook groups that was run by a female, a very prominent female in the subject. And I said, hey, this is what's happening. Are you guys having any issues with that? And I was, my post was taken down and I was told to never talk about that because that was negative. Oh, and so like right there, it was just like this double whammy. It's like, you're not going to get supported from any side, not the women, because you got to know your place and not the men because, you know, they don't want that competition. They don't want to be questioned. And so, yeah, it's, 
The idea that people in the UFO world do not want you to ask questions is so on its face, I have to say, hilariously stupid. Like, it's, I mean, like, you know, the only thing we can really do in terms of studying UFOs is to ask, learn to ask better questions. Nobody knows what it is. And if they tell you they do, then they're full of shit, you know? So right. the, the fact that they would say like, ah, don't bring up anything negative. Well, by you bringing up some negative, you're trying to help this be a better place for people. And that to me is no way to run anything. You know, I mean, it certainly isn't the most productive for sure. No. And it, you know, again, but again, that goes to doing what the, the gatekeepers want to do, which is um, control the narrative promote the UFO story and to, um, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now, the same BS is going to be pushed. It'll just be younger people or people that have been cryogenically unfrozen after they, right. Right. <laughs> like, Oh, you know, I mean, and so, um, you know, it, it is, it, it is sad that like there, there are these, you know, the, the old guard is just hanging on. And I, yeah. I will say that I'm friends with, you know, some of the people that are in the old guard and I've done uh -huh. a lot of work to promote their work. Um, but at the same point in time, I'd have the same questions for them. Like, why are you, yeah. what's going on? Why are you guys, sure. you know, just promoting this, this nonsense? Well, absolutely. And that's one of the wonderful things about your show. You've actually, um, hipped me to a few people such as Martin Cannon, mm -hmm. who I didn't even know about. And, and then Barry Greenwood and a, a host, a host of other people who are from kind of the old guard but really were honest with themselves and like you and, you know, even myself to a certain degree have evolved their thinking and not stuck to what they thought in 1986. And then they're like, Hey, I learned a lot in the meantime. And now I have to change my point of view. That is something in ufology that rarely happens. So when anyone can do that, I'm always like right on it's that's healthy <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, it is. I mean, and that's the way life should be. I mean, we, you know, it's, it, you don't, grow as a person if you're not willing to take accountability for the mistakes you've made and yeah. own it and and move on you know and so i think that is something that we don't find a lot of in in ufology and as a result you know people that are held in high regard often have criminal backgrounds and are often uh predators and right. there are a lot of really you know there are some pretty despicable people that have oh yeah gotten a lot of attention in in this subject because nobody nobody pays attention, you know, and nobody right. holds people, you know, say, Hey, you got a, what's this criminal record? Oh, wow. You know, that actually might mean something other than you were framed by the government. Right. Right. I mean, I feel this kind of like when I, you know, like, because I am a sadistic person every once in a while, I'll go on UFO Twitter. Just, I never comment because I don't want to get involved in any of that. And plus to like attack my Twitter account and dox me. <laughs> I'm like right. scared of those people. Really, truly. Um, but I will look at it, and I, and I, I just kind of wondered to myself, did none of you read Mark Pilkington's Mirage Men back in 2010 when it came out? Like, are all these lessons that we that should be out there, has no one learned from them? Like, you know, even going back to Greg Bishop's wonderful book, Project Beta, I, you know, like, I, I recently, you know, when I was uh, having you on, I was re-watching some of Expanding Frontiers, a couple episodes, and I rewatched the Mark Pilkington one. And I, I, I've, I've actually sent that to a handful of people, it's like, who, like, you know, weirdly enough, since 2017, that New York Times article, I've had friends in my life who did not care about UFOs at all suddenly be kind of interested. Mm -hmm. And 
one of the first things I'm kind of saying, like, you might want to read Mirage Men before going into this stuff. You know, just like before you go too deep, just know there's a lot of like trickery and, you know, uh, wool being pulled over our eyes. And I feel like the lessons that Mark Pilkin wrote about in Mirage Men could not be more important than right now because we're literally witnessing it happening. <laughs> I mean, you know. Absolutely. And that's the thing, you know, I, I just, it's, you know, I know Jack Brewer and I, who's my, my research partner yes. and with Expanding Frontiers. I mean, we just shake our head. It's just like, oh my gosh, look at, look at the work that Jack has done over the years, yeah, yeah. you know, and talk about a, a formidable uh, force right there. I mean, he's exposed a lot of things and really, you know, uh, meticulously calling attention to some of this, the intelligence community, buffoonery, I mean, just some of these things going on. And, and those are important things. I guess people, you know, when they get involved in this subject, they feel like, you know, I'm, I'm chosen, I'm special, you know, especially when yeah. you've got people like Eric Davis and, and other people reaching out to them, hey, I really like what you're doing. So let me give you information. And let's see if you're going to run with it, you know, and so right. we talk about like, you know, read a book on on cults, read a book on yeah. indoctrination, read a book yeah. on, you know, the way people are, I mean, just, just do your due diligence, because people are being handled, groomed, and, and sent out there. And I think Mark really uh, does a great job with Mirage Man. He was one, he's yeah. been one of my favorite guests, and I can't wait to have him back hopefully yeah. sooner than later. And, and it, it's a fascinating thing, you know, with regard to UFO Twitter, I'd never ever use that hashtag. I just refuse. No. I learned pretty early on that, you know, I was not on the, the good list that I was, yeah. you know, so I just like, okay, I'm staying out of the, out of here because I really think that that was set up as probably by, you know, Corbell or yeah. uh, what's his bucket? Uh, Lou Elizondo. Lou, yeah. People like yeah. that to, um, mine data and then push a particular narrative even though i've got no substantial proof it's like it's okay here here it comes and here's the same messaging and and things and i'm i just don't have time for that yeah and whether or not it was actually literally set up by those two people have on their own at least you know taken up like you know metaphorical arms to defend their belief system and their kings of their belief system right. which it's so scary to me, really. It is. It's just fanaticism, and it's like you said, it's cult-like behavior. And there is you. I mean, like you know, there is UFO cults. I mean, like there's literal ones, and then there's kind of like these online ones where it's like if you do not believe a hundred percent what we're we're putting out there, then you're an enemy. And and that is very scary. That is you know, that's like you know, UFOs run by dictatorship. Right. I mean, it, you know, it really is. It's really, it's really concerning. And I think w what you saw happen with um, the people at NASA and some of the, you know, they came out and were just saying, what is happening? This is, you know, we're getting death yeah. threats and things like that. I mean, these are, are, I'm, I'm quite sure that UFO Twitter is being monitored, um, hopefully, um, because there are people on there that are, that need help. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of it could be, you know, other influence from, from countries, China, Russia, right. who knows what's going on. Um, so, but it's just not a healthy, healthy thing. No, but it definitely has been, and is still being used to put out bad information into the world and get people to believe things that are wholeheartedly untrue. <laughs> so Absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of the wonderful Jack Brewer, I, I, you know, I read his book, The Graves Have Been Framed when it came out. Cause I heard him, I think I heard him interviewed somewhere. And when I first read it, I was shocked and kind of like almost mad. I was like, wait a second. This isn't, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then I remember sitting with that for a couple of weeks. So I was like, oh, wow. Jack really like put out a very important book that everyone should read who has any interest in this stuff at all. But a lot of that, what he wrote about has kind of, you know, you guys are this great, like, uh, two forces that have come together kind of for the same cause. And that is to give ufology a good power washing. And, you know, I feel like, I feel like Emily Louise is kind of the mm-hmm, same way who mm-hmm. you had on your show. I had her on last week. She's, She's wonderful. Great. And I think there is like hope for me because there are some people out there doing some amazing work. Tanner Boyle as well, who mm-hmm. you had in your show. Like, I think this is just as important, if not more, than people doing like really rigorous scientific study into UFOs. And so I guess my question is, uh, how did you and Jack come together to start expanding, uh, expanding frontiers? You know, I have known, I mean, I've interacted with Jack over the years. Um, and you know, at first I was kind of like, Oh my gosh, this guy, he he was, um, a little, like I was a little afraid of Jack. I mean, uh-huh. just like you know, because he's he knows what he's talking about, and he's a smart man, he was a yeah. force to be reckoned with. I wasn't afraid, but it was just like, oh my gosh, I don't want to get in his crosshairs. And um, I just began really, really digging into what he was doing. And then, oh, a couple years ago in the fall, maybe a year and a half ago, he reached out to me and just said, "If I'm so sorry." My phone. No problem. It turn it off. So You're blowing up. <laughs> I know my people, they want me. Not really. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, they, you know, I, I, he approached me and just said, hey, let's start this nonprofit. And, you know, I was like, yes. Like, are you kidding me? I am so on board. Like, I just want to, to work with him. And it, it has been the best decision I've made. You know, in, in this is the best thing I've done in this subject. It's one of the, more fulfilling things I've done in my life um, because we've done such powerful things and really in a shorter period of time have, you know, we have gotten the, we've garnered the attention of, of mainstream really credible media uh, Mm -hmm. people. And I, I'm, we're exposing things and we are putting forward information. We're preserving history. We're doing FOIA requests and we're coming up with some really, really good stuff. And it's just like, I am, I couldn't be more proud to be involved with expanding frontiers and it does it may i can tell you it's making a few people uncomfortable yeah we should be. well it, it should but like you know sometimes going through discomfort is how we evolve as people and as and like get to and it doesn't mean like 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 the, the thing is like i love expanding frontiers it doesn't mean i don't think there's nothing i'm all of a sudden like well there's nothing to ufos at all like i still think there is potentially something to the UFO phenomenon. I, I, I just do. I don't know why. But um, I, I think a lot of people think if you ask questions, you are trashing the study and the topic altogether. And I do not see that is what your goal is. No. It's not to like, it's not to diss people who look into this stuff or make fun of people who believe in UFOs. It's to say, hey, they're like the UFO subject is really interesting. Let me help you all sift through some of the garbage out there because there is a lot of it and so i i really see you guys doing this like wonderful service for the field and i hope other people see it that way thank you that means a lot that really does oh. because sometimes this can be a really 
you know, kind of a, an isolating thing. And, you know, for a long time I was out there, you know, by myself, just, you know, getting, uh, having all sorts of fun. But um, I really feel like there is, like you mentioned, there are more people coming forward. There are more people doing shows. There are more people like yourself who have a logical thought process, who, 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 who know that asking questions is the right thing to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that that this is, we're changing that. And so I, you know, I, I look back and I always tell this story in my show, but I remember like when I first became kind of active in a public sense and I would go to the Richard Dolans or to some of the people that had, you know, were hot, hot on the, yeah. well, whatever, on the lecture circuit. And I'd just you say, sure? you know, there's a lot of problems in this subject. What are we going to do? to change it and make it safer for people. And well, nothing, this is the way it's always been. This is the way it's always going to be. And I just think you lazy, you are lazy. Yeah. And you're yeah. the reason why this subject has done nothing in, in 70 years. Right. Right. So, and it, you know, as opposed to doing what you have done, they are leaning and doubling down harder into this fear. Like, you know, this like, idea of fear, fear, threat narrative, uh, weaponize. And it's like this kind of uh, this aggressive verbiage that I believe is used on purpose. I I don't think, uh, you know, like the more salacious, the more clicks you get, you know, if it bleeds, it leads all all that stuff. And I just don't think UFOs is the place for that. (laughs) Like to me, I don't understand that. Like for a while I laughed at, I'm like, Oh man, this is so dumb. And now I'm kind of scared about it. It makes me nervous because I'm like, I like the study of UFOs and like, you know, like I, I, you know, I love John Keel books. I love old valet books and, you know, the list goes on and on. But like, I don't want to ever be associated with the hate, hate group of UFOs, right. <laughs> you know, like, or this aggression where it's like, you better be scared. You know, <laughs> like I don't, that, that to me is like the opposite of what I'm interested in. Right. Yeah. This is a benevolent, you know, we are, you know, these enlightened beings who are going around threatening people. That's makes a lot of sense to me. Um, (laughs) But you know, it is, it's unfortunately it's, that is, it's happening in a lot of different areas, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and people see weaknesses in, in particular groups of people and they'll exploit those weaknesses, whether it's, you know, I mean, um, yeah, I, I think that there's, it's, it's pretty serious and people need to take it seriously and people need to understand that these dynamics that the images like you even go through some of the youtube shows and you Mm -hmm. look at the imagery that they have for their thumbnails and it's like okay well this was you know propaganda you know i mean (laughs) fascist propaganda from you know how many decades ago like seriously get a freaking clue like the you know the using the you know patriots and specific key terminology to um mm-hmm. you know well these... you know it's almost like there's you know like in and maybe this is too extreme of an example but like it seems like one can make the argument that there's been like in the last five years this kind of re-bill cooperization if i don't know if anyone's ever used that as a as a english language that's not really a word but <laughs> you you know what i'm talking okay, about so yeah. in case my listeners don't know bill cooper was a guy who got into ufology in the 80s but then all of a sudden said, there's nothing to UFOs. It's all a conspiracy. And then he like basically was like the spokesperson for the modern militia movement. <laughs> and it, it turned fascist like in a year. It got really crazy. I almost think he used UFOs to get attention. So then he could become, start this patriot movement. That's 
so disgusting. But I, I see echoes of Bill Cooper nowadays, which I, 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 I always thought in my head, like, oh, thank God we're done with all that, you know? But how naive and wrong I was. It probably never went away. But with social media, it just seems like it, it, it's it's back. It is. It's back, and it's, you know, right there in in the UFO culture, and it's too bad. And I mean, it's like people look at, I mean, look at what clothes people are wearing. Look at the colors they're wearing. Mm-hmm. Look at the Fred Perry logo. Look at the, yeah. you know, I mean, look mm-hmm. at, uh, yeah, just just watch people's wording and look at the groups of people they hang out with, mm-hmm. you know, who are echoing the same types of, of things. And I mean, it does go way back. I've got, you know, like a huge archive here and books, magazines dating back to the 40s. And you can see, you know, especially like in the 80s and 90s, I mean, there was this, you know, the FEMA camps and they're coming for you, you know, get your guns and mm-hmm. hey, colloidal silver. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone take a drink. Anytime anyone says, says colloidal silver, you take oh a drink. Oh my Lord, <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, it's like, it's, I mean, you couldn't ask for, you know, oh. it's just like, oh my Lord. I know. So what did we get ourselves into by being interested in this stuff, Erica? You know, I don't know, but it, I, um, I, I just think uh, therapy, meditation, um, <laughs> long vacations, oxygen, get out, get out in the sun, yep. touch grass. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, you know, because I, I was telling you for the show, it's like I sometimes look at my my archive here, and I just, why God did you forsake me? <laughs> Well, you know, but that brings me to a compliment I would love to pay you because you have been um, chosen to be the is custodian the right word or the uh, holder of Ann Druffel's files mm-hmm. and all her, you know, her archive and how amazing. And I actually feel like Ann Druffel is one of those people who kind of has been forgotten in UFO history, even though her contribution is unthinkably wonderful and massive. But would you mind telling us a little bit about kind of who Ann Druffel was in the UFO community and how you got to, you know, get be the custodian of the archives? Yeah, thank you. It's a great story. Ann was a researcher. She researched, I mean, from the, gosh, late 50s as a small, she had a sighting when she was younger. And so she grew up in California and she joined NICAP and was in NICAP, was in MUFON. She did a lot of research and connected with um, the likes of Dr. James McDonald and and people. um, She created a UFO organization that went out and monitored UFOs, uh, or they were looking for, you know, objects in the sky, um, Skynet. It was, she just was, she, she studied every aspect. She made every connection that you would want to. She has, you know, I've got, when I went down and I was, um, given the privilege to, to digitize her archives, I went down to California and recovered over 70 banker's boxes packed full. Wow. I mean, it was massive, the whole U-Haul full oh of, of these things. And, and they are one-of-a-kind communications that maybe one or two people have seen. And, you know, so these letters between Kehoe and a handful of people, uh, you know, I've got tape recordings of her interviewing Jacques Vallée, Tape record, I mean, just recordings of her interviewing Heflin and Rex Heflin, who was a, you know, a big, had a, some controversial photos. But um, my friend Gordon Lohr, who was the former secretary of NICAP back in the 60s, was, he was friends with Ann Druffel, and he was hmm. also friends with Dr. James McDonald. And when Ann had passed away, he reached out to her family and said, I know this woman, and she would oh. just be a wonderful place of person to to take Anne's 
archive uh, her files to make sure that they are preserved. And, you know, that was such a, a, a great um, blessing for me. I mean, I don't, that was, it was, to me, it is a very, almost a sacred experience to have mm-hmm. somebody's work in my hands. You know, you can smell, you know, the old, the paper, you can see oh. things that nobody's seen. And you have this peek behind a veil of all of these organizations. And not only that, but you've got insight into a woman who went from, you know, believing in things to having different experiences in her life from interviewing people and then maybe having a change in, in her attitude on what was factual information, what was being manipulated and, and things like that. And so it's, it's a wonderful, um, it's just been a, a real joy for me. And there's, I don't yeah. think there's a day that goes by that I don't go back there and just scoop up files and look at all of these things. And, and I mean, I, I feel like very empowered because she was a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it is important for another woman to have her work because like I mentioned, there are a lot of men in the archiving business that don't value women yeah. and that think that, you know, like, I mean, when people really began to understand the, the gravity of what I have in this collection, oh, I didn't think that Anne really had done that much work, you know? And it's just like, really. You were paying attention then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even I know that. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just so, it's fascinating and I love it and I'm honored. And I've had, you know, Emma Woods who... Yeah. Thanks to Jack Brewer, um, donated a lot to to the archive and other people over the years who have as well. And I love that and I take it very seriously. And I firmly believe that, you know, the, the people want to hoard UFO data. This has been something yeah. that has gone on since the, you know, time, since this right. subject started. And because people are trying to create this squeaky clean veneer of a UFO subject, they have a vested interest in getting files that might paint a different picture of a UFO researcher right. and perhaps show their personality or lack thereof. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> Oftentimes the case. <laughs> you know, and, their, and their motivations and things and that, that would tarnish it. So, I mean, I, I fully believe when somebody is accepting um, a holding that people are, you know, if you're getting ready to donate, that you should say, what is your goal? Are you a UFO believer? Is it your, you know, goal to have all of this work so you can promote UFOs? And if that, right. if the answer is yes, then don't donate to that person because yep. that person has a vested interest in promoting something that has never been proven. And yes. so it's about historical preservation, good, bad, ugly. Yes. And that's where it should be. I love that. And I find that so inspiring. And I think my listeners will too, because one thing I am doing since I moved back to Nebraska, you know, I got some spare time. I'm trying to document the history of, you know, ufology, cryptozoology, the paranormal folklore, mythology of the state of Nebraska. Because aside from Rainbow, yeah, it's so fun. And because aside from Ray Boucher, who you had on your show, Mm -hmm. and it was fantastic. um, No one else has really done it, to be honest. And I have a number of times contacted people on MUFON and they could not be less interested in sharing anything with me. And I, I know someone who was a former MUFON member kind of high up in the ranks. And she told me that they completely, whatever the account is, they will leave stuff out to make it fit a 
extraterrestrial hypothesis narrative that they want to put out there because quote unquote, they want to be taken seriously by science, which they never will be, but uh, good luck with that. But I found it so interesting. It's like, well, you're trying to be scientific yet. You're leaving out data that doesn't conform to what they want the, their messaging, I suppose, or whatever. But also the fact is that MUFON kind of, you know, at least, you know, from what I understand, puts itself out like, hey, we're a citizen, you know, uh, we're a citizen group and we collect this information. And if you pay 50 bucks a year, you get access to it. But that's just not true. No. You get access to, to nothing. Like, yes. you know, and I, I years ago paid uh, to try, you know, join MUFON so I could try to get access to some Nebraska files and I got nothing. Like they would not share, and they're like, "Why do you want it?" I'm like, "Because I'm curious, I guess. I don't know." Like, it, it was really like it was the most uh, frustrating thing. So I just kind of put my hands in there and go, "Like, uh, they'll never help me." So, and that's so sad because you yeah. know everybody has like even if we're all in, if we all like a certain story, everybody has a different angle. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like I yes. could. So it's just it's it's selfish and and it really shoots you know, yourself in the foot to, to have that kind of attitude. Yeah. I think. Um, and I love, I love what you're doing. I think it's so cool to go out and like, just get the folklore and all of these cool, crazy stories that take place yeah. in your, in your home and hometown yeah. in your state. And it's fascinating. It and- is fascinating, you know, cause I mean like really like when I've kind of like, at least th- these are my ideas about it, but like the folklore of a small rural town in Nebraska actually inf- has a lot to do with their history and their, the belief system that they brought over here for wherever they were originally from. And their folklore gets entwined with the folklore that's already there and creates new folklores and mythologies. And if that's all that UFOs are, just folklore and mythology, to me, I, I don't lose any interest because I find folklore and mythology so interesting. And with UFOs, whether you like it or not, we're seeing mythology in the making. Like, you know, we're watching a mythology happen. And I find that very interesting just from a sociological aspect, you know. And so one thing I love, I mean, not one thing, there's so many things, but like, I just love what you're doing because you are taking a lot of the crap out of there and saying like, look, there's a lot of interesting stuff to look at, but do not waste your time with a lot of this BS because it's just going to lead you down a path of confirming your belief system or a path of weird political beliefs or fanaticism or cult-like behavior right so again bravo to you because Thank i mean you. like you know yeah that means a lot because oh, I, well, I really i love i love this topic i love you know the people that i meet like i i want i want people to have a good experience and yes. i don't want people to have to go through what i've gone through or what i know people like emma woods have gone through mm-hmm. other people that have um had experiences that never should have happened. And, and I know that we can make a difference. You know, I mean, I, I think, if, you know, to those who have said, you know, we're not going to change the subject, I think, you know, just, you know, just seriously, please don't vote. <laughs> right. <laughs> you want your vote. No, just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it just, you know what I'm saying? I just think it's like, we, we can, like, if we, if we don't have that, um, that passion and that like fortitude, you know, to say, yes, we can make a change, then we're all doomed because yeah. now more than ever, we need to have that. And, 
And I think that we can, and we are making a difference. And yeah, you are, you are. I mean, guys, I mean, like you've made a difference to me. So, I mean, like, I know like there, there's plenty of me's out there who, who aren't fixed in one idea system, who, who I love new information. I love, I love when I, you know, read a piece that you and Jack wrote or watch one of the episodes of your show. And I have a different idea than I had two hours, two hours before that. To me, that is so deeply exciting. Even if it's, you know, even if it's something that I thought I really like, you know, when, when I first start, started hearing you talk about Skinwalker Ranch, I was like, oh, Erica, I don't know. And then like I kept on listening to it and I was like, oh, wow, she is onto something. And Steve, you have to be comfortable with looking inward at your UFO, how you see UFOs and be willing to change. Otherwise, I don't know what you're doing, pal. Well, you know what? I will tell you the Skinwalker stuff certainly set some people aback. And I mean, I've, I think I've heard every story about shape-shifting hairy werewolves, uh, you know, I mean, and flying planchettes and, you know, I mean, I've heard, (laughs) God, I mean, someday, like I keep threatening, like I'm either going to do a puppet show or I'm going to do a musical, but like this needs to be a puppet, maybe a puppet show and a musical like because it's so ridiculous ridiculous it's just yeah. like i mean i've already actually because i'm a musician um i was a singer for a long long time and i like to write I didn't music. Know that. so yeah my background was in classical voice i started oh, studying wow yeah classical voice when i was 16 and and performed you know for many years of my life and so like i've been writing little songs about things and it's kind of my way to to vent but then yes. to put it together in some sort of comedic uh you know, sense would be really funny because it, 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 it this is it, like you step back and you look at it and you look at the things that these people are saying and you just go, get Dino Beaver puppet. We I mean, need, I mean, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. It just no. doesn't get any better. I mean, like, and then picture like a little sock puppet of Robert Bigelow, you know, right. and his little maniacal gang, you know, and right. all <laughs> sitting, you know, at the Tropicana, you know, wah, 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 you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it, i can picture it now and you know, i hope i like it <laughs> i'm telling you it's like i have got ideas of these are going to be good because it's just really yeah it's about oh uh, do, do you kind of see the and I, I don't know how much you pay attention to the paranormal world obviously i don't think the paranormal world since it's not really focused on one particular thing it doesn't have the twitter presence that ufos do but do you sense that you know cryptozoology and paranormal the paranormal communities are in danger of the same you know pr- hurdles that ufos are sure yeah mm-hmm. yeah yep. i think any anytime you've got a community you know where i mean it's not you don't have a lot of oversight you yeah. don't really have any oversight you know no. you and you don't have it's like the wild west i think it's definitely prone to people that are espousing hate and and yeah. all sorts of things so i definitely right. think and I've, I've seen that from afar just monitoring kind of what's going on in the paranormal world i love uh, the paranormal stuff sure. and i have always thought that that is you know it's it's fascinating but yeah it's but fun. It, maybe with the paranormal stuff because there isn't as much to do with national security as there might be mm-hmm. in the ufo topic yeah you know it might be a little bit different but right. i mean this right. is there are, there are a whole lot of things going on in the UFO topic that people don't pay attention to. That yeah, are there. yeah. 
You're right. You're right about that. Yeah. I mean, the moment uh, people start clamoring for Bigfoot disclosure, we might be in big trouble. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> have you? I've got to ask you. Like, have you heard yeah. about those romantic novels, like the Bigfoot oh, yeah. novels? Oh yeah. Re- I, I actually was sent one. I was sent uh, an erotic Bigfoot novel. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did you read this, it? I did, and it was pretty funny. I did, read. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I I could tell the person who wrote it was doing it in jest and was not like serious, and they were having fun with it. So I had some fun with it. Like it was not taking itself seriously at all. But that is a hilarious avenue to go down. Now, that might that might be a show you and I will need to discuss. <laughs> yes. Let's well, to delve deep into the erotic Bigfoot <laughs> book world. <laughs> What's next, Erica? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But like, honestly, you just can't. I mean, this is like too good. And you have to like find things like this that make you laugh. Yes, I, I completely agree. This. Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of times where like there was a uh, Bigfoot case that a guy who claimed to see Bigfoot in Nebraska, you know, around a cornfield. He's like, I'll show you where I saw it. I'm like, all right, I'm going. Let's go. And when I was out there, he had like two guns on him. And he was like, you know, I, I, I the thing is, I actually believed that he believed what he was telling me because he had real, really no, I mean, maybe, I mean, who knows. But I was out there. It was nine o'clock in the morning. I'm with a perfect stranger in a cornfield in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, what am I really doing, Steve? <laughs> you know, like, but I had, I kind of giggled to myself like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. And I love it. <laughs> I know. So. I, mean, I've, yeah, I mean, I've done things like that. I look back on them and go, really, you'd met with somebody in a, in a grocery store parking lot and, you know, okay. You know, I mean, just, yes, I've learned a lot. You know, I'm much yeah. more, I mean, I'm very aware of my surroundings and uh, yeah, but yeah. you know, you do these things and like even going over to Norway when I was over there, um, you know, I went to Heshtalan and it was yes. so much fun, but just like being out there in the middle of the pitch black and not knowing my, you know, if I'm going to topple over a rock or whatever. And I'm just out there wandering around, having a good old time. And that's amazing. I forgot. Yeah. You mentioned that when I was on your show, yeah. you went, oh, when did you go over there? I think 2017. Amazing. Now, what was your experience? Did you, was it a positive one? It was wonderful. I mean, I just yeah. had, I, everybody over there was so considerate and I got to climb mountains and see, <gasps> nice. you know, the different, uh, there were scientists from Italy and Germany and France, the head of the French uh, space agency was, was there. Um, and so it was really interesting to, to be around those people. And then me, you know, yeah. I mean, I remember being at a table with all of, of them and, you know, just having one of the, you know, fellows look at me and what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> You know, and, and but then the the, re, the the rest of them were just so lovely, oh, you know, and, and I could kind of see his point. It's like here you've got whatever. It was a, it was yeah. a great experience. I was there's one funny story that I shouldn't tell, but I will because it just I don't know. It's so dumb. But I was, um, you know, they've got the blue box and that's where mm-hmm. they have all the data and everything feeds into there. And they've got this huge field. And you look out and you can see the valley. And, and I was, you know, there were times when I had to keep myself, you know, busy because the, all the people were in the, the blue box trying to, you know, get new instrumentation up and running. And so, like, I'm, 
out there like in the field and I'm like doing like trying to do my own b-roll because in my mind I'm like yes this is gonna be a great documentary and I still need to do that but I'm like rolling around in the grass and then I'm I've like got my camera set up and I can't believe I'm telling you this <laughs> I love this I oh my gosh, love I've got my camera set up and I'm like okay I'm gonna walk down like three steps turn over my shoulder give the glance you know and stuff and so I'm just like having a good time. I was an only child. What can I say? Yeah. So <laughs> I get into the to the car with Erling Strand, who was the head head of uh, the project, and he's like, well, "What did you do today, Erica?" And I'm like, "Well, I was just you know doing some things in the field and and stuff." And he's like, "You know, you realize there's a 24 hour live webcam." <laughs> <laughs> you could have said that earlier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, but what an amazing experience. And it, what's funny is the Skinwalker Ranch people saying that, that they had the biggest scientific study of the paranormal. I'm like, what? I mean, that's the one. And that's like a legit one with like real scientists from yes. all over Europe. 40 like years of research. That is a legitimate study of the UFO phenomenon. And they publish their results. You know, I mean, yeah. I noticed the difference, the way yeah. it should work and the way it doesn't work and absolutely yeah it's it, because when you go in saying like we're going to study this we're going to share the data i've how many times have we heard this and then we get nothing out of it and that's another kudos to you and jack because the whole point of what you guys are doing is that you're sharing this stuff <laughs> i mean like you know like you know jack's sharing or you're sharing what you find in foia and like all these reports and with all these archives you're going through you guys are uncovering some really interesting facts that are really important to know about so oh my I just want to tell my listeners, please, I will link all of Erica's stuff in the show notes. But I must say, like, if you're looking to give a donation to someone saying UFOs, look no further, because this is the place to do it, because we'll never know what this stuff is, if there's anything to it or whatever. But like what we can do is ask better questions. And Erica and Jack truly are teaching us to ask better questions. And I, I, I my hat's off to you because it is not an easy job. And, you know, you're not promoting these salacious things, which obviously get so much more attention so fast because they're clickable. But your stuff, you, it requires you to actually read people. You have to read the article. <laughs> you, you, know, like, you actually have to use your brain a little bit and, like, challenge yourself to look in. Like I was mentioning earlier, my friend uh, Rob always, you know, he we were talking about this, and he's, you know, a UFO researcher as well, and he's like, he was saying like how hard it's been the last couple of years where he has to, you know, look inward and say like, ah, some of the things I thought about this stuff are, you know, untrue or I, you know, but you know, what you're doing is such a service to the field and such a service to like, you know, just, I, I, I hope people in the paranormal and other communities kind of learn from what you and Jack are, do, are doing and start doing the same thing. That's my great Thank hope. Thank you. I really, that means a lot to me because oh. I just think the world of you and it, it, you know, like I said, sometimes you feel like you're out there spinning in the wind and, you know, it's like, why am I doing this? Why am I paying to do this? Like yeah. literally I've spent more money on this, but, but it, it's, um, to me, it just, it, it is exciting and people need to understand, you know, some of the yep. things that are going on. And at the end of the day, I just hope that, that I can make some, some bit of a difference. And, you know, I'm, I'm you are, you already have. And like, you. the thing is like, the wonderful news is I can tell you're doing it out of love. So you're not doing it like, I told you so. You know, it's not that. You are doing it because you're trying to help people like myself who are really interested in this stuff. And it really has like, you know, 
separated the wheat from the chaff for me and focused my what I read and what I look at now much more because I mean there's so much noise going on and it was hard for myself to filter out the noise and like who do I listen to who do I read you know like but you have done a very good job and it's almost like an instruction manual for how to get into ufology thank you yes you've started off my new year in a good note because that oh good Erica you have been an absolute joy I cannot thank you enough from your time well you you. I got to not even one page of the question the three and a half pages of questions I wrote for you. So if you'd be willing, I would love to have you back yes. on. In fact, it'd be super fun to have you and Jack on and you guys yeah. can talk about your work more. I would love to promote that any way I possibly could. We would love that too. And I would love to get you back on the show just because oh, obviously anytime. we could, you and I have a lot of things to talk about. And, you know, I love the fact that we can just joke about some of this and, yeah. and I really do love, I did, I, I did, I bought your movie. Like, oh, thank you. <laughs> and I just like, I just, you know, when I was telling my daughter, it's like, I'm, oh my gosh, I get to talk to this really cool guy. <laughs> you seen him on a couple things. And, you know, she's just like, my, and she gets so embarrassed. Our, she had a, um, a class in school and she came home and she's like, you know, they were, the professor was talking about ancient aliens and I knew you were on that and I was so embarrassed. <laughs> And I was just so glad that they didn't show your episode. And I'm like, so you're like the only cool thing, you know, yeah. that happens. Oh, wow, wow. Oh, the bar is low because I'm a dork. <laughs> uh, this has been too much fun. Uh, is, is there anything you, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to put all your information in terms of the uh, Expanding Frontiers website, your YouTube page, all stuff. But is there anything you'd like to, you know, plug or say to the people like you know where they can find you and all that good stuff you know i mean just expanding frontiers research that's great thank you for um providing the link and then mm-hmm. um you know i'm 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 not the big social media person sometimes i get on my little rants but i just you know you can find find us there and we are definitely coming out with some more stuff that should be really good oh yeah well you you y- y'all have been on a roll lately because the shows are just unbelievably good They're truly my, my favorite ufo centric show to watch on youtube easily even though i don't unmute my mic half the time it, it, that doesn't bother me i'm oh, not a technical guy <laughs> i understand this i understand how showbiz works man and there, there's a lot of moving parts i'm telling you clearly i it's it's i i need people i need a team of people here to help me with you know stuff but I do too. I do too. Desperately bad, but I, uh, that's, that's out of the cards for me for now, but someday you and I will have our team. Yes, <laughs> I think so. We should we definitely, we deserve it. So thank uh, Erica, thank you so much. You have a fantastic dinner me this too. evening and I cannot wait to talk to you soon, my friend. Thank I know, you so I'll much for everything. I'll some dates for the show. So thank you. Please do. I can't wait. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to High Strangers. This was the absolute, absolutely wonderful Erica Luke's. See you next time, folks. Peace. Thank you.